jconline.com, Purdue football beat writer. Uh, here to wrap up, however we can, the uh, 24-6 loss to Illinois Saturday at Ross-Aid Stadium, a rainy Ross-Aid Stadium. Uh, and I'm not sure that I have covered or been a part of a weather game like that where it was just rain 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 and uh it's been cold i remember cold games i remember games that did have rain but uh this one was you know i can't remember a weather a weather game like this and you know obviously i was inside the press box and i felt bad for the fans and i felt bad for everyone that had to be outside in that in those conditions, but you know, that's what, uh, everyone was faced with on Saturday. And, uh, it did, it did hamper the play on the field. Uh, thought we would see more fumbles, uh, than what we, than when, what we experienced actually, uh, was looking up the number of fumbles for, <laughs> for a school record, uh, before the game, just to be prepared. But, uh, a miserable day for Purdue because they lost the game and how they lost the game. Uh, Illinois did what it had to do. Uh, it scored a defensive touchdown early, uh, to put, uh, put them up 10, nothing, and then had a drive at the end of the first half that basically won the game. Uh, if the pick six didn't win the game, then the drive at the end of the first half sealed it up 17, nothing. Purdue was not going to come back from that kind of deficit, uh, on, on this day. And, um, as I wrote in my column, you know, this is, uh, you know, I, I really think the, the elements got to Purdue again. Uh, this is another game where, um, whether it be rain, if you go back to Eastern Michigan last year or the cold, the snow at Minnesota, uh, this was another game where I felt the, the conditions affected Purdue more. And, you know, the whole, you know, cliche, both teams have to play in it, which is true, but you can, you can look at body language. Uh, you can look at a lot of different things. And this is, in my opinion, uh, this is the third time in the last two years that, uh, Purdue seems to take itself out of the game because they can't handle the elements, uh, while the other team, uh, doesn't have any problem. It, you know, it could have to do with being, having a, you know, getting off to a quick start, getting some confidence, a, a lot of things. But I, I just didn't feel like Purdue um, handled uh, the rain uh, as, as best that it, it could. And you know, the other part of this too, and this is more of a bigger picture thing that you know you are you're still dealing with uh, young players, and you know I know we're in the game eight now this is the eighth game and a lot of the freshmen that have played you don't look at as freshmen anymore but still there's um you know when you have a veteran team you know maybe they deal with these elements a little bit better so you know to some degree you you're you you have young players that are just new to this whole thing um not that they haven't played in the rain before but it's at this level and trying to to do everything that you need to do at the, at the big 10 level to, to play. And that, that may sound like an excuse. And, but I, I think there's a little bit of, a little bit of truth to that. Uh, and it's not the reason Purdue lost. Uh, but I, I just found it interesting that, uh, and I, you know, I'd sent out a tweet during the game that, uh, it reminded me of watching last year's Minnesota game, 
because I thought the elements, along with what Minnesota did, Purdue, kind of took the Boilermakers out of what took the Boilermakers out of the game. And uh, what it comes down to is, you know, showing a lot of uh, of mental toughness. Uh, and I, you know, I think Illinois was the showed that on on Saturday, and Purdue did not uh, for for a variety of reasons. Um, and you know, the other factor too, from an offensive standpoint. You know, Purdue has to pass the ball to, to run it. Uh, they are not a run-first team, uh, and they just don't have – they're not set up that way right now uh, to do that. And when they can't pass the ball if or if they have turnovers or if they have drop passes, uh, that kind of takes them out of every everything that they want to want to do. Uh, they're just not going to line up and run at you. Uh, teams play the, play the pass first. Uh, and you know, when you can't run the ball in these conditions or at least consistently run the ball in these conditions, uh, you're going to have, you're going to have problems. And that's, uh, that's what, that's what Purdue encountered on, on Saturday. But, you know, probably the bigger, the bigger question moving forward. And, you know, Jeff Brom talked about it after the game and, you know, we all wrote about it and it'll be talked about all week is, you know, there's, we're going to see an open competition at quarterback and, you know, that's probably the right thing to do. I, you know, I thought the way Jeff managed the quarterbacks uh, on Saturday, you know, I thought getting Jack Plummer out of there after the interception, uh, the pick six by Tony Adams uh, early in the second quarter was the right thing to do um, and gave gave Aiden O'Connell a chance to, uh, to see what he can do in these conditions. And then I thought it was the correct move to get Jack Plummer back in there at the end of the first half to kind of let him reset himself and see if he could climb out of the, uh, of the funk that he was in. And he, you know, he was in a funk. This was not a good day for Jack Plummer, but it, it's not going to, it's not a defining moment for him. Um, but you know, Jeff said after the game that, you know, they're going to open it up and see who comes out, uh, the winner as they go into Nebraska. Well, uh, I think it was clear that Aiden O'Connell, while the, the kid has a nice arm and he, he does have some upside, you know, he's not ready for this stage. And, you know, you could you could probably also question whether Jack Plummer uh, is truly ready. But we, we've seen enough of Jack, you know, against Iowa, uh, against Maryland, uh, against Minnesota to some degree. And you got to throw the TCU game in there as well. Uh, to have a better sample size of what what he could do, and you know it's all nice. It'll be nice for us to write about, and you know we probably should thank Jeff Brown for giving us a quarterback. Uh, I don't like to use the word controversy, but a, a quarterback uh, storyline to write about this week as you get into November, uh, when finding things to write about can be tough. But you know, at the end of the day, I think Jack Plummer should start on Saturday. He should be the number one guy, but he does have some things he needs to work on. And, you know, I, you know, this is how Jeff Brown's going to manage, uh, young quarterbacks like this. He's, he's going to get them out there. And, but if they continue to make the same mistakes that he doesn't want them to make, then they're not going to play. And I think that was clear. Uh, Jeff has done this before with turnovers. If you remember Elijah Sindelar, three interceptions against Northwestern, to open the 2018 season, boom, he's out. Uh, you know, Jack threw the pick six today, he's out. Uh, Jack had the fumble in the third quarter, boom, he's out. 
uh, you know, it was a boost of confidence uh, for Aiden O'Connell to to get the touchdown, uh, uh, to get Purdue, you know, on the scoreboard late. But, you know, he's just I, – I just don't feel like he's ready for this stage. And uh, while Nebraska's not, um, you know, a, a great, great defense – uh, I just don't know if you do your team the best favor by putting Aiden in that situation. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think this is just something that Jack Plummer needs to work through. And and you're, right now you're at a stage, in my opinion, that not only you're playing for 2019, but you're also playing for 2020. Because uh, uh, let's face the fact, Purdue has to win four straight games to become bowl eligible, they're going to have to beat Nebraska, Northwestern, Wisconsin, and uh, Indiana to to get to six and six. Uh, the chances of that happening are are just not very good, and I would be surprised if it did happen. Uh, even if you beat Nebraska, and even if you beat Northwestern, I, I don't think Purdue's this Purdue team is going to beat Wisconsin uh, right now. I know Wisconsin has lost two in a row. I know they lost to Illinois. To me, that was a bit of a fluke. Uh, and I know Wisconsin got pounded by Ohio State, but Purdue's not Ohio State. And I'm not sure Purdue can beat Indiana at this stage. When you look at uh, how uh, explosive uh, on offense the Hoosiers are uh, right now, uh, so you, you've got a lot of things going on. But uh, you know they don't they won't talk about 2020 because everyone likes to stay um, stay on message as far as 2019 playing. Make sure you send the seniors out the right way and all that kind of stuff. But um, if you, you know, if you still have doubts about Jack Plummer as your quarterback going into the 2020 season, then you need to get those questions answered these next four games. And if you come out of these next four games and you don't believe Jack Plummer is going to be your answer, then you're in a um, you're in a really tough spot. Uh, you're going to have to go grad transfer uh, and, and try to find a quarterback, or you're looking at playing um, a, an extremely young quarterback. You'll be playing a quarterback with no experience, and I'm not sure with your receiving core that you would have coming back with David Bell and Rondell Moore and Milton Wright, and you know you're looking at tight end Payne Durham. You're looking at a couple younger tight ends. You do have to address your offensive line, but I'm not sure you would do your team um, a lot of a lot of favors right now on the offensive side if you hit the reset button on the quarterback position uh, going going into next year. Uh, but you know, but that's 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 really down the line. That's more of a bigger picture thing. But I, I do think um, you know. You know, I thought I thought Jack Plummer had made enough progress uh, since the TCU game that what he was going to get out of 2019 season was just going to be a lot of experience, a lot of uh, a lot of good foundation as he as he would head into the off season, spring practice, and then and then next year. And you do have to, you know, and I wrote this a little bit. You can't ignore the elements. You do, you just can't from a passing situation, and it wasn't ideal. And you probably can't make a a hundred percent evaluation on where Jack Plummer's at based on this one game in the rain. 
where he had some drop passes. Now, the the pick six was all on him. Uh, there's just no, you can't get around that. It, it could be dry weather and no wind. Uh, and it, if he still throws that ball, that's a that's a horrible pick on, on his stand on his standpoint. Uh, but they did have some drop passes, and he did make some decisions uh, again where Jeff Brown wants him to to check it down if the deep passes are not there, use his legs a little bit more. I think you saw more design runs out of the quarterback position. I, I don't know if that's uh, clearly the answer for to how to use Jack. Um, but there were some plays out there that should have been made from a receiver standpoint that would have kept drives alive, that would have moved you closer to the to the goal line, maybe gotten you in the end zone um, a little bit quicker than what, what Purdue got uh, and, and kept up with Illinois a little bit and gave this team uh, some confidence and maybe you know establish some sort of running game if, if you were able to move the ball through the air. So, you know, the quarterback situation will be a big, topic uh this week and you know I, I don't you know and that's the way it probably needs to play out right now because you just don't want to hand a position to someone but I think at the end of the day you know I think Jack Plummer gets the start I'll be surprised if he doesn't get the start unless there's something injury related that 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 pops up uh during the week and I just think having Jack uh back there and again you know the weather conditions played a role, uh, at least a little bit in 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 what Purdue wanted to do, and you know let's see him again in dry conditions. You know maybe and maybe just maybe you get Rondell Moore back, uh, then he has another weapon to deal with, and um, and he has you know he hasn't had a chance to throw to Rondell, and he hasn't had a chance to play with Rondell in the game, and I think that's um, you know you. We were talking in media circles this week that, you know, you get Rondell Moore back, he's worth at least one touchdown a game, uh, you know, assuming good health and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, Purdue's offense has been hampered because of the injuries. Um, and then we talked a lot about the weather conditions. And while it did, in my opinion, impact what Purdue wanted to do offensively, uh, it didn't impact what Illinois wanted to do. And Illinois was going to run the ball. And they did, and they're they're more built to run the ball first and pass second, and they got into this game, had some success on the ground, and stayed with it. And you know, and that's you know they got some big chunks early in the game to get them an early field goal. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't know if Purdue's defense played played horrible, but there were missed tackles again. There were you know bad angles. Uh, they didn't have Jalen Graham uh, at safety. Cornell Jones did play a little bit. Um, you know, this is another depleted group. You know, Purdue's not strong um, at the tackle position uh, on defense. Uh, and again, you're you're facing a team that runs the RPO system. And you can go back through the uh, through the season and look at the teams that have given Purdue the most problems uh, from a defensive standpoint, and and it's it's the RPO game. And this is a big, you know, this is a, the new, it's not really a new thing, but this is a thing that Purdue's going to have to deal with. And, you know, Purdue has struggled to, to play in space. Um, they, they've troubled to, they, they've struggled to uh, read their assignments sometimes in the, in the RPO game, um, you know, with defensive ends crashing down when they, when they don't need to. Um, so it, it's something that they, you know, they have to really hone in on 
uh, because once, you know, if you go back, you know, really the Minnesota game was uh, the expose, exposure game for Purdue from an RPO standpoint. And then once Minnesota did it and uh, the other RPOs got, you know, got that film, you know, they can, they've continued to, to kind of batter the defense a little bit. Iowa, you know, is a traditional two back, sometimes two tight end team. Purdue would match up better, did match up better with them because of their traditional look. And Purdue could put three linebackers uh, on the field. But, you know, the RPO game is something that, you know, Purdue has to really get figured out. Uh, they probably get, they need to get better athletically. They need to get better up front uh, in the middle of their defense. You got it, you know, linebackers. Um, you, know, you, you haven't had Marcus Bailey most of the year. You know, that obviously hurts. But going into next year, you're really going to have to um, find find another linebacker to uh, either in your freshman class or on your roster or through the grad transfer market to um, to to make an impact because Purdue does have some holes to fill fill in that area. But you know, Illinois, you know, got got the lead, and then the defensive touchdown really really helped them. Uh, and then, as as I mentioned, uh, the the drive at the end of the first half really kind of sealed the game. And then the second half, Illinois was just trying to get out of there uh, and 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 run the ball, run the clock, uh, keep things just keep things moving. Uh, they only attempted six passes on the day, and that was probably five too many when you <laughs> when you get right down to it. Um, but you know, Purdue's just not built like Illinois to run the ball, and you know they've got some they got they got a little bit more speed at the running back position than Purdue does. Their offensive line, um, uh, you know, is better, and and they were able to take advantage of Purdue's defensive line. You know, Purdue's now two and six, uh, and as we mentioned, you know, they, now they have to win four straight to become bowl eligible, and um, it just you know you, you can't see it happening right now. Yeah, I know strange things have happened in college football, but this is something that you just don't you just don't see. You can't you can't put together a scenario that has Purdue winning four games. Again, you know, I could put together a scenario that has Purdue winning three, uh, more likely two, but I, I there, to me there's there's not a scenario out there that um, that that puts Purdue in, into a bowl game this year. And, you know, what that means is, you, you know, you don't get those practices in December. Um, you don't get the young kids a little bit more work. But, you know, again, you, you'll get guys that maybe are a little bit more hungry and maybe willing to do a little bit more uh, in the off season to make sure that that doesn't happen. You know, I think Purdue has, you know, upgraded his talent at a lot of positions, but has, a, has still a long way to go. Uh, especially on the offensive line, where they're going to need some help from the grad transfer market, um, and you know, this, these next four games are kind of are going to set the tone for your off season as well, and what kind of uh, mood you're going to be in, what kind of momentum, if you can get any momentum uh, going into your off season. Uh, so I mean, there's still a lot to play for uh, for Purdue. Um, but you know they 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 still have to figure some things out, and you know, we've also reached a point where uh, freshmen who haven't played uh, now can play, um, assuming they don't go to a bowl game because uh, of the uh, four-game redshirt rule. So you may see a few more 
uh, true freshmen get out there or, or guys that haven't used up their eligibility yet. Um, you know, a Stephen Fashow comes to mind, a defensive lineman who, who has traveled uh, on the road, has been on the travel roster, but hasn't played. Um, I, you know, I think they've been getting him ready to play uh, through the course of the year and just looking for the right opportunity to do so. Saturday against Nebraska may be an opportunity for that. Um, and there are probably some other freshmen that, that might get a, might get a longer look, you know, Collie Sanders, uh, is a guy that played, uh, against Maryland. Uh, so he, you know, he's played in one game, you know, I think he's a guy that you might see later in November. Um, once, once Purdue is, you know, once he can, cause he'd have three games left to, to, to use before having to burn a red shirt. Uh, so they don't want to put him in a in a situation where um, he loses a redshirt year. So they're going to be really selective uh, when they play him. And I mean, I'm sure there's some other guys that they're they're kind of earmarking just to see where where they're at and if if they're ready to get on the field. Uh, and that's one thing that I think you know I think everyone has picked up on in the first two plus years of Jeff Brom's tenure is. Um, they, they don't put guys out there unless they really feel like they're, they are ready to play. And, um, and, but I, I'm not sure how many other freshmen are left that, that haven't played, uh, where, um, you, you know, some, you, you may not see many more new faces, but those, uh, those two guys kind of come to mind right now, but, uh, kind of summing up Saturday's game, you know, overall it was. You know, it's kind of a bad performance for Purdue against a, a program that you know Purdue has 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 won against uh, the last three years. Of course, they lost to Cannon in this uh, trophy game, um, and you know it's just you know kind of an ugly day at Ross Age Stadium and uh, ugly ugly loss for Purdue. Um, you, you just never felt like they were. They were in the game, and as I, as I mentioned before, I think they kind of took themselves out of the game from a mental standpoint uh, w- with trying to deal deal with the elements. But you know that that can change if you get a lead. That kind of the team that scores first, you know, usually has the best advantage in these type of games because you know you you, you feel good, you feel like the other team can't score because of of the elements. But you you know you've been able to to put some points on the board, and now. You know, once Purdue got down ten nothing, and then seventeen nothing, the uh, the game was over. Illinois has, you know, now has to beat Rutgers this week, and then they're going to finish with Northwestern. I believe they go to Michigan State and Iowa in between. Uh, those will be two tough games for them to win, but they Illinois should get to six wins without any. Uh, they, they should get to six wins. Let's put it that way. They, you know, they got to beat Rutgers. I know Rutgers won Saturday. They beat Liberty. Uh, and then Northwestern just can't score. I mean, that's just, that's about, you know, I, what's going to be the point total when Purdue plays Northwestern in two weeks? I mean, it, what, seven, ten? Do you go that high? Maybe the lowest point total on the on the Vegas board in the history of, of betting lines. Uh, what do you set it at, 35? 30? Yeah, I don't know. I've seen... Uh, I think there was a Utah and California last night. I want to say that was like under 40 uh, from a from a point total standpoint, and I, I think Utah was ahead at one point, 35 to nothing. Uh, but I mean, Northwestern just can't score. 
Uh, and Purdue has its own issues uh, on offense. And Northwestern's still still pretty decent defensively. Uh, so I mean, this this could be a um, <laughs> this could be an overtime game at zero zero or three three. Um, and you know, Purdue's lost. Now, now we're getting way ahead of myself, but uh, Purdue's lost like five straight to Northwestern. Uh, which is the longest streak uh, by the by the Wildcats in serious history. But anyway, uh, the, those those thoughts just pop in my mind, and I just start rambling. But there's really not much to talk about from a from a stat standpoint. You know, Horvath uh, led the team in rushing with 54. He got a lot of carries in the second half. Doesn't you know, I think I think King Drew is still your number one back. Um, you know, Plummer's numbers were were bad, eight for 20. Uh, you know, Okano was six for six on the touchdown drive. And that's good for him. Good for his confidence. Um, and, uh, you know, Hopkins, Hopkins and, uh, David Bell each had, had five catches and, you know, I can't get out of here without you really talking about the David Bell situation because he just wasn't targeted a whole lot and it didn't appear. And, you know, Jeff and other guys said it after the game that, you know, they didn't do anything really special to take him out from a defensive standpoint, played quarters coverage, first, second down, and and whenever Purdue was in third long or had long distances, that they would play cover two. Uh, it, it appeared that there were some some openings for David Bell, but, you know, that it's, it's a little mystifying that, you know, here's a guy that had 13 catches last week, probably could have had 20 catches last week, if not for the, the lull that they, that, where they went away from him. Um, and then today he's targeted six times, uh, and it, it, you know, seems like there, it should have been more, you know, they, they got him involved early with a couple quick passes to the outside. Uh, but then whatever reason went away, went away. Now, again, play calling. And I, you know, I've talked about this, you know, the only thing we see about play calling is the end result and what's, what's sometimes called is not actually what is what we see um, so but when when you look at not getting the ball to a to a David Bell or anybody um, is the defense taking him away uh, is the play call designed to go for him is he the first read uh, in the play call um, or is he the, or the he's the second and third uh, or they or they just not look you know is plumber or O'Connell just not looking for him and to me, that'd be, that's a crime in a way that you're not, you wouldn't be looking for him. So I, I have far fetched to, to think that that's the case. But, um, you know, when you, when you get down three, nothing, or you get down 10, nothing, I mean, he's a guy that needs to touch, touch the ball. I, you know, he's, he's not going to catch everything and not, you know, on that day, you're going to have some, some mistakes just because that's the way, um, that's the way it worked. Uh, but uh, that, that, that's, that was a mystifying thing coming out of, uh, uh, Saturday's game again. It's similar to the Iowa where they had that 20 minute stretch where he didn't, he didn't touch the ball, but, um, you know, hopefully they, uh, they get that addressed as you, uh, as you get into practice this week. And again, from a stat standpoint, not a lot of things to talk about. Uh, Zach Collins punted eight times, which is not a great stat because it means your offense is not doing well. A lot of rugby punting, and then uh, Danny Corello's uh, 15-yard punt, which almost was a a swing and a miss. Uh, poor guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
if you, if you haven't seen it, just Google it. Uh, you know, the, I'm sure the weather conditions had a little bit to do with it. And he's a, he's a pooch punter. So all that stuff has to come together right. And when you're off just a little bit, it can, it can, it, it's a challenge. Uh, but, uh, uh, he, I'm sure, uh, later in the week he'll, he'll take some ribbing for it. But, uh, uh, it was just, you know, again, just a bad day at ross stadium and, uh, you know, Purdue, Purdue comes up on the short end, uh, 24 to six. They got Nebraska coming up this week. Uh, Indiana beat Nebraska 38, 31. The Hoosiers became bowl eligible. You know, Nebraska sitting at four wins. Uh, Adrian, Adrian Martinez did not play, uh, in Saturday's game for the Huskers. Uh, so curious if he, uh, if he gets back for this game, they, they played multiple quarterbacks, uh, their starter, Got hurt, but then came back into the game. Uh, they put up some points. Uh, I, you know, I think just initial thoughts on Saturday's game. I think Purdue can can score against Nebraska if if, if Plummer or whoever the quarterback is can can have some time. Uh, and if you could somehow get Rondell Moore back, that that would increase the chances. Yeah, I think uh, Nebraska's given up some big plays through the air this year, and you know that should fit into what Purdue. Uh, wants to do offensively, but defensively, I think a lot depends on whether Adrian Martinez uh, plays or not, uh, because you you deal with some RPO stuff at that point, and you know he's a dynamic quarterback with his legs. Uh, but the other thing too is he's gonna, you know, this will be um, game three that maybe he's missed, I, you know, maybe off a game or two, so he's gonna have a little bit of rust if he if he plays, but. Um, It'll be a noon kickoff on Saturday at Ross State. Hopefully the weather is uh, uh, conducive for people to sit in the stands and it's not raining. I understand we might get a little bit of snow uh, in the area uh, come Halloween. Uh, I don't think it's anything that uh, we'll have to shovel. Uh, but, uh, again, uh, it's 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 November. It will be November by the time they kick it off in October and November. And these these are the elements that uh, that uh, that happen in a 12 game schedule. You're gonna get some rain. You probably get some snow. You get some wind. Uh, it's not you know it's not dome conditions in the Big Ten footprint. And you've got to be able to play through all different kinds of things. You 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 get kind of all four seasons uh, during a, during a football schedule uh, from from August to to November. And you got you got to be able to deal with them. And that's something that, um, I, you know, to be honest, I don't know how you work on that. To be honest, you know, I, I just don't know how you work on that. You've just got to be, you, you've just got to have to have a group of guys that are mentally strong enough to, to battle through that. And some of those guys are young and still learning to do that. And, uh, you know, maybe as this program progresses a little bit, you know, uh, those kind of things will, will, you know, no, no longer be talked about because, uh, you know, we'll we'll see the see the program and the players deal with the conditions like Saturday and maybe li- like last year at Minnesota uh, a little bit better. Well, uh, appreciate you listening to this uh, post game wrap up of the Purdue's loss to Illinois. Uh, I'll be back next week. Uh, we'll find someone, hopefully someone, to to break down Nebraska for us, give us some inside knowledge on what's happening with the Huskers and uh, preview uh, Saturday's game. Uh, with uh, with uh, with uh, the the Huskers, and we'll probably you know uh, Purdue men basketball has an exhibition next week, next Friday, 
night before uh, the Nebraska game, and we'll we'll start to transition a little bit to basketball uh, on the podcast uh, through the month of November uh, as uh, Coach Matt Painter's team um, gets ready for uh, to defend its uh, Big Ten championship. And uh, just you know, I, you know, I, I you know, I think this basketball team is going to be really interesting to watch. You don't have the the volume shooters of Carson Edwards and Ryan Klein, but you know, I I do think you know the offense is should be spread out a little bit more. I think um, you're gonna you probably should see more balanced scoring, and instead of playing outside in like they did a lot last year, you'll I, I think you'll see them playing inside out with the ball going to Harms or Trayvon Williams inside and then and then coming back out you know Sasha Stefanovic I think is having a really good uh, preseason uh, camp if you want to call it that and he, I think he's a guy that um, when it comes to the three-point shot I think he's a guy that you're really going to look to to hit some shots and you know in that whole sophomore class uh, I, I really think Holt's a big key to how how the season's going to, to play out uh, for the basketball team. So there's just a few thoughts on basketball as we uh, as we wrap up uh, today's edition of the Bullers Extra Podcast. Be back next week, uh, and uh, again, thanks for listening. And just uh, subscribe, tell your friends, uh, your neighbors, uh, when you're out trick-or-treating, you might want to just give a mention like, hey, why don't you uh, subscribe to the Bullers Extra Podcast? That could be your Halloween treat to those that come to your house to get candy instead of giving them candy you could just here's my gift to you subscribe to the borders extra podcast it costs you nothing and you get you get me what is there a better halloween treat than that i don't think so we'll talk to you later thanks